Hey, and welcome to this episode of Co-Creating with AI. And with me, as always, is Rasmus. I'm Martin Schellström and Rasmus Oliver Wahlberg. How are you today? Uh, pretty good. Sun is shining. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I'm, I'm excited for this episode. There's uh, a bunch of questions I want to ask you. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I like that format from last time. It's, it's a little bit like I can uh, just like spend the episode being curious about something that goes beyond my technical understanding and then yeah. I can like learn. And uh, I don't know how you, how you felt about it, but it's, it's yeah, really fun. I think me. it's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun way of, of having a conversation. So what, what are you curious about today? So the thing that sort of uh, caught my eye during uh, the past week is Open Interpreter. Yes. I'm not sure who's seen it. Um, I haven't like really played around with it properly myself yet, but I've seen demos. And in short, if you visualize it, you, you open the terminal on your Mac, right? You know, the old command line, mm -hmm. kind of where you can, uh, you know, basically write commands directly to, to your Mac. And uh, you just write this little thing like slash open interpreter or something, and then you give it a natural language command, like mm. convert all the... Word documents in my documents folder to PDFs. And then it figures out a bunch of ways to do that. Or you asked it to, you know, write a small app for you. Like they took the example, a classic example of a Pomodoro timer. And then mm -hmm. it writes all the code, executes it, and the app pops up. And I don't know if there are like steps in between there they cut, uh, but it still seems very feasible. So what, what sort of yeah. caught my eye with that is not like the tool itself, because if we're going to talk about that, we need, of course, use it a lot. Mm. Uh, but more like just the realization that, you know, we are at the point now where you can give uh, the AI access to, you know, a very, very basic level of your computer. Yeah. And it can do things for you there, which is like one. I mean, I, it's maybe obvious, like I've, we've talked about it before that, you know, Apple will probably come out with, you know, a Siri that can use all your apps and just talk with it and it uses your phone, right? But this is like one level deeper in my mind, which is mm -hmm. like, it really can go down and like build things for you, put things together for you and like really utilize the full, I mean, I don't know, this is where I'm curious, but like mm -hmm. a much more higher percentage of, of the potential of what your computer can actually do uh, for yeah. you. So that I'm, I'm really curious there. And uh, so I guess, I don't know, if, if that sounds fun to talk about, then um, I'd, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love there. to talk about that. And, and I, I have the same excitement about Open Interpreter and just a, like uh, a, another, like um, adding another um, perspective on top of that, that I'd, I'd love to talk about as well. So, so um, uh, let's do that. And, and. And I can I can give some insight in, into what I'm thinking about with Open Interpreter that it, of course, comes from um, Code Interpreter, uh, which was launched by OpenAI, and and they later renamed it to Advanced Data Analytics. But it was Code Interpreter from the from the start, and now there's a this open source version called Open Interpreter. And what is so so cool about this uh, in in my mind is that. Open interpreter, since it can utilize, as you say, the full force of your full power of your computer, is so much more powerful than what code interpreter is in inside the ChatGPT, and and uh, let's call it uh, advanced data analytics because it's that's what it's named now. It it is a that's a very very strong offering, 
but all of that power is available in your in your Mac as well, um, and and can be accessed with Open Interpreter. Like you can run all the advanced data analytics in Open Interpreter, but you can also do so much more, which OpenAI has to lock down in order to not just offer free compute for unlimited spam uh, cap- capacity and 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 so on and and the possibility to install malware or whatever you you want they have to lock it down a lot but that lockdown is not um, needed on your own computer so actually open interpreter just took the queue uh, made basically a clone but on your own computer the clone is so much more powerful and this uh, again um, removes sort of the moat for open AI like in open source again wins the day in 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 a very romantic uh, way where it's actually more powerful to run your own stuff on your own computer than than even the open AI has one of the biggest server farms on the planet uh, they can't offer the full power of that just because they have to lock it down and that's to me that's exciting as well with open interpreter just that the openness wins yeah it is interesting i mean i I think i want to double click there like a bit later but like my first Mm -hmm. question like as a you know i guess i've been involved in technology a lot right as a as a founder but Mm -hmm. like what can and can't you do on in the terminal if we just say like i mean and it's probably limiting it but let's limit it just to sort of yeah make you know you know, some sense of where it is now. So let's just look at this as like, we have a person, we have an assistant that can sit on your, you know, computer typing in your terminal, mm. right? And you talk to that person. So it's basically someone using the computer for you, mm. right? What can and can't that person do? And I'm just talking now as a, you know, let's say, you know, a hyper-competent developer mm. uh, sitting in the terminal. Like what, what yeah. can and can't you do? And so if you start with what you can you do you can do you can of course as you said write code and execute it on your computer and you can create apps you can com- write code and compile them into apps that then are, are then useful on your system like uh, personalized to your needs on a level that is not haven't been seen in in the history of computers before you you can if you want your own flavor of pomodoro timer that works like specifically like you want it you can tune it to your needs um from ground up like it's it's going to be built for you uh, from the first line of code and and that's that's strong in in itself but since um open interpreter has access to the terminal it's not only a programmer it's also a, a devops engineer so you can set up servers you can you can manage like all the cloud servers have their their own uh, terminal apps. You can you can direct uh, orchestrate Amazon Web Service through your your terminal in your Mac. So you can you can basically um, direct the entire uh, cloud from from your terminal with a power which is now now available to Open Interpreter and. Um, uh, so, so that's it's not only like your own computer which is now accessible from from um, from the LLM, but also the entire cloud, and uh, and as long as you give it access to authentication, and uh, but but that's also like um, where where it could be 
beneficial to to think twice before you like uh, give away uh, full full access. You don't like you have to be in control as well about what what happens. Um, so let's but, let's think there like yeah. a little bit, just like so just double click there. So in the terminal, I'm just like making it really like stupid simple here. Mm. But like you can access all the data on your computer, right? That's one yes. thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. You can also, for example, to make it, you know, you, you can. I mean, now that's not the way it would do it, right? But you can mm. literally go online, like in your terminal. You could go online mm. and basically access Amazon Web Services or literally any other website, right? Yeah. You could go to a website, yeah. receive that information just as you would in a mm. browser, even though there, you know, the HTML is of course presented in, in like visually, yeah. but you could get all that information and you could actually take actions. Yes. So right from your terminal, if you were like a super hyper nerd mm. you, who wanted to only experience the internet through the terminal, you yeah. could do most things through the terminal. Could, is that yeah, correct? It, def, yes, that's correct. And you can you can run uh, there there are headless browsers that you can run run on the command line and uh, you will maybe not see the screen even, but it's there. Like the, the screen is rendered in in memory, and it you can direct it you, to click on on links. You, you can surf into Twitter and post things on Twitter if you're auth- authenticated, mm-hmm. and that's uh, you can write the, the open interpreter. You can write Python code to do that. Uh, it can also do it right from the like just line by line inside the terminal. Um, set, set up um, set up a headless browser, surf, browse the web, and fetch it. it there's a classic terminal command called curl, which just fetches a, a URL contents from any URL, and um, that gives also the, the the power of accessing anything online, images, videos, homepages, and and APIs. And on the topic of like authentication. Like I don't use it that way, but you know you have the keychain on your Mac, right? For example, mm-hmm. like mm. you could, in theory, like this this terminal. Like just imagine, yeah. like what you're basically saying is whatever you can do in the terminal, in theory, Open Interpreter can do for you in the terminal, right? Mm. And you could log into Twitter in your terminal. Like you could have, you know, a file stored with your Twitter login information, right? I mean, that's probably a stupid way to do it, right? But like you could literally give it access to yes. act as you because that's what it's mm. doing you you have yeah. like someone acting as you for you is mm. that is that fair yeah and and it it will be it will be a very like at the moment a very clumsy interface to do advanced things but but um but that just takes time like to develop a ux uh, on top on top of that capability that open interpreter is the first software to represent i i think it's uh it's a hint of what is to come over the mm-hmm. next uh, two, three years that we are going to have uh, probably autonomous agents or assistants on sitting on our laptops doing work for us as as if they are us, like with our credentials um, acting as us, and uh, and like hopefully doing good, really good things uh, that are mechanical. Um, in nature, so that I have don't have to do it by hand, and and um, I can do I can do my like my human stuff, and the machine can do it, the the machine stuff. And this is interesting. So that's like it's it's almost speaks to, I mean, we we touched on open source, mm. but also like the edge, right? Which we've touched upon both of those in previous episode. 
like in in this case it makes sense that if you are going to have someone acting on your behalf the closer it is to you like to your computer mm. it makes sense then it can act as you right because that's where mm. you have your credentials that's where why how you interact with the world right so it can mm. and, and that really brings it to that it's not like we have to build like build ai to use all the tools out there because those tools are already usable because our computers can use them so anything mm. that's built for us should be able to be used by ai right i mean yeah. th this makes it i mean we've talked about that before and like you know one of the things i think anthropic said they were going to do from the start was like train an ai to use all the tools out there mm. and and that's probably still useful and we could dive into that but this really like brings it to like in a fundamental level it's it's really like you know everything that's been built will be able to be used by ai is that like do you see it that way as well yeah definitely that's how i see it and um so we are that there's going to be over the over the next uh, few years we are not right now in the stage of or let let's build ai into our existing software and the next step is what open interpreter represents like let's have the ai run our software mm. and also uh, let's have the ai code our software and 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 build it and then the next step after that which I don't know how long it will be. It's like, why do we even need software? Mm. Let's just ask the AI to do things fundamentally. Like what, and that's also what what code interpreter and open interpreter represents. That why do I need ready-made software if the AI is just good enough as at writing code on the fly and executing it? And of course, you, there's needs to be quality controls. And with red, like software that you develop and refine over time, you can have a continuous improvement that is not thrown away. But but um, pretty soon, like if you have if you just have an API for something, maybe you don't need a UI even. You can just have an AI call the API mm. over and over with custom code in every call that is generated on the fly. And that that's a, that's a direction that that like or a horizon that that open interpreter opens up the door to. And that's interesting because in my mind that sort of speaks to open source on a quite a fundamental level. Because like mm -hmm. one of the things that impressed me when you explained it to me with uh, with then uh, code like FD code interpreter like uh, advanced data analysis. Mm. I like the code interpreter better actually. Yeah, uh, with, it's, yeah. it's it's a catchier name. It's much I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should call it code interpreter just for yeah, for the habit. It. Yeah, whatever. But anyhow, what 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 made like when I, when you explained it to me, what what sort of impressed me was that it's not only that it can write code; it has a lot of tools already. It has all mm. these libraries of, you know, really really powerful. <clears throat> I don't know. Function is probably too low level a way to explain it, but like things it can do uh, and utilize. You know, so it has mm. a bunch of tools and. Then the interesting thing for me is like if it can have those tools and actually adjust the code for mm -hmm. your need, that's mm -hmm. you know that's and it can you know act as you close to you, right? So it can use all your tools, and those tools are either then closed, so it has like a limited set of you know 
things it can do either through the website or through an API, or maybe they have like a terminal interface, like you said, like, uh, um, you know, AWS, et cetera, has. Hmm. Um, but if that's also open source, then it can actually say, hey, I'm going to use this library. I just need to tweak it mm. to do yes. what you just said for me. So yeah. it really feels like it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it brings me hope that, you know, AI could be the, you know, the, the superpower that really propels like an even more open internet, mm. you know? Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's like taking it too far, but, uh, and, and me not understanding it like well enough, but that's, that's the way it seems to me. What are, mm. what are your thoughts around like just this and open source? No, I, I really think that it's a, it's a very, very strong and compelling argument for uh, that um, the, like, the closed source is almost like it has a f- finite lifespan now. Of course, there's always going to be uh, software as a service and there's going to be prepackaged, pre-compiled code that you buy um, and download, but but I I don't know like it's it's going to be less and less compelling over the years is in comparison to what you can what you will be able to achieve with AI to even like uh, have closed code which as you say like you can't ask the AI to to tweak it or leverage it for like bits of bits and pieces for your own use and uh, open source is going to be so much more powerful but it, it already is like. Um, it's it's very like if you just look at um, Microsoft, the classic uh, behemoth in closed source. Uh, their one of their big flagships now is, is VS Code, which is open source. Like they they've been forced, or you can say that they've been forced, but they've they've made the decision to make open source something that they leverage for their business benefits and. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the the way forward for all companies and and individuals. That's sort of interesting because it's uh, yeah. I mean, my my sense of listening to people like knowledge knowledgeable about I mean the different technology trends that are are going on. Right, is that AI is kind of a catalyst, an accelerant, and and something that sort of connects different possibilities and different trends. And it feels like you know open source, the API economy, which is basically what you said, like removing, you know, I don't need to use your UX. If you have something valuable, like valuable code that I could utilize in my product or in my business, I can actually access it through API, like pushing things to the edge, as we said. Um, it feels like a lot of these things are, are going to come together. And, and uh, I mean, more and more, like I've, I've been skeptical about this before, but more and more, it feels like you know, AI might be like the ultimate UX, Mm. right? And Mm. and I don't think like the current way we interact with AI will be the only one, which is, you know, text and voice, I guess. Uh, We talked about this before, right? There will still be need for different UXs to express ourselves in different ways. We're not only, you know, our minds, our voice, our, our, you know, the text we produce were actually, you know, like physical, you know, moving things around. There's a bunch of these things that it, it feels like, um, yeah, I mean that, that, you know, AI is going to be the thing that, that enables, um, yeah, that like, I don't know if that's the mm. right way to put it, but like, do, no, do you so get the sense of what I'm talking about? Like the definitely like, sort of and, enables. And that it theory. really, it really, it, that, that exactly that 
idea that you're expressing now uh, was formalized sort of by uh, by Nielsen Group, which is the 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 biggest authority in in user experience. Um, mm. With and and so they wrote a, a really seminal blog post uh, just a couple of weeks ago or within the past month, where they said that uh, AI is the 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 only the third uh, new U, UI paradigm to appear in mm. in computer technology in in over sixty years. So in the entire history of computers, there's only been previously two U, UI par- paradigms, and now what they call intent based UI is uh, the third. Uh, so which is represented by by AI and and LLMs. So you, what you do as a user that you express your intent and the software executes that intent for you. And you don't have to point and click and say, do this or do, do that. You just you express the intent and then you sort of negotiate verbally. Like uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something like that, but a bit more like this. And uh, and that's... It's so interesting. That's the and, then, then the, and then the first one, I guess, is, you know, first level terminal kind of do exact like you write in a very clear logical instruction you write code basically that has like not not an intent but like an instruction and then the next almost a graphical i guess where i don't know how do you, you abstract how did they explain that one it's basically like like if, if the first one is instruction and the last one with ai is intent what would that i, I guess those are the three right am i correct yeah, yeah so so the the three uh paradigms that they um they talked about were was the first is batch processing uh where mm. you don't you you the only thing you can do is to to instruct uh, the computer to to deal with with the databases like you do this with all of these rows of data so you mm. you always you're always processing batches of of data and the second paradigm is command-based, where you actually give either through the terminal or through a point-and-click UI, you say com- like command by command, like do this, mm. now, then this, and then this. And then um, the third paradigm is intent-based, where you where you specify the outcome you want, and they, you don't have to tell the computer how to achieve that outcome. It it that's the computer's job now to figure out uh, how do we do that. That's really interesting, actually, because if I think of the classic kind of, um, you know, taking paper and bringing it to the computer, right? Mm-hmm. Say making something digital, that was sort of like going from individual processing, writing one row to batch processing, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then you go from there to command. I mean, a lot of things mm-hmm. went straight from paper to command, right? Either mm-hmm. a graphical or a terminal based interface, right? Yeah. And And now the interesting question is, I guess for us who are building things. Mm. Okay, now we're going from command to intent. Yes. How does that change things? What becomes possible? Mm. Uh, that's an interesting question. I'm definitely going to bring with me. Yeah. Uh, and and okay. just to be clear, like the 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 batch processing uh, paradigm that that was uh, that that's what the, how they defined the computers that existed between. 1945 and 1965 so it's like way back and then in uh, 1964 or 1965 was the first command based 
computer invented. So, and that's why they say that uh, it has been 60 years since we've come up with a new paradigm of UI, and wow. which is now the intent-based UI. So what comes to your mind there? Do you have, have you like, since you listened to uh, or read it, I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. that report, mm-hmm. like what did, has anything come up, like any, any kind of clear example of like, wow, this becomes possible when we go from command to intent. So yeah, so the, the, yeah, the the most mind-boggling uh, thing is that, and uh, like the uh, mind-boggling idea for me is that then it means that all the software that is built for the command-based UI are going to sooner or later become obsolete. If this or, or or maybe there are still use cases for it, but but it feels so much more intuitive to just state the outcome. Like, give me a, I, I want a social media campaign running 24 seven in my, in all my social channels, have that done for me. Yeah. I, I want these kinds of customers to be attracted to this kind of offer. That's the mm-hmm. outcome that that's my intention figure out how to achieve that and like and if you think about how much software is written in order to 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 plan figure out and execute all of that like how much not only how many jobs will be replaced but how much software will be replaced yeah that's also interesting i mean either replaced or like demoted down the stack right yeah it's a little i I don't know like My sense, there's, there's, I think there's a good like formal definition of this and explanation of this, but just to give it in my words, hmm. it's a little bit like, you know, when you build infrastructure, then there, it's like it builds on top of each other. So first, yeah. right, you need to be able to actually, you know, physically send information between computers in different places, hmm. right? Hmm. And then, okay, so let's just forward to the broadband, right? That enabled high-speed internet, right? The fiber. And then... And that's like real stuff that's been built and cables that have been like yes. in, in the ground and beneath, mm-hmm. you know, the ocean and everything or in the ocean at least. Um, and then on top of that, you know, now we have all these kind of, uh, let's call it, you know, different cloud providers or, you know, the compute layer, the storage, etc. And then on top of that, we have a lot of uh, different products like that are, I would say, then in the command paradigm. And mm-hmm. one way of viewing it is that if we just move one layer up the stack, they just become things that are like commodity-ish or like at least further down the stack that are used by intent-based software. So it's a little bit like at least one other way it might play out. I have no idea, of course, is that it's not that existing, you know, command-based products die. It's just that they become utilities. They become like, they don't become user-facing. They are pushed down the stacks, and if they have valuable functions provided, probably through API or, or something else, or through their, um, th- then uh, then the the intent-based software, the AI will use it. So mm. it, it is quite mind-boggling, actually. That you know, just the, if you're looking at the technology industry, imagine yeah. being pushed away from the user. Maybe that's captured still by the same incumbents and stuff, right? But but like pushed down. And all that's on top is this intent-based, yeah, or this very like a much smaller amount maybe of of intent-based um, UI, let's say. Uh, and then and then we are commoditizing UI 
which has been like the the unique selling points for so many uh, apps that have become um, uh, incumbents that mm. and we're commoditizing them and we're we're just demoting them to be to become backends mm. and uh, so and then they can be much more easily replaced because the the, yeah. the AI doesn't care uh, the brand of the API it, the, it's calling as as long as it uh, performs the function. Yeah, and, and that's interesting. And, Oh, yeah, and I I just want to um, circle back to our initial question, just so we don't lose any readers <laughs> out in the, up like up in too far up in the sky. That code code uh, or sorry, open interpreter that is released now cannot execute anything autonomously. We're not like right now. People are excited about the idea of connecting this to autonomous agents, but it's still. Um, completely prompt-based and reactive. Open the interpreter is super powerful. It can control everything uh, on your laptop and in the cloud, uh, but uh, it's still waiting for your, to react to your prompt. And so it's not, it's not going to take over the world uh, anytime soon. Uh, it's just that it's a, it's a big uh, leap forward. I wonder how many of the people listening to this actually are afraid of the like AI taking over the world thing. I feel that's like a niche thing, like still, but anyhow. Uh, but so yeah. so you could you could like th there is actually a, like now if you give um uh if if you would pair up open interpreter with llama 2 or llama code or something like a local model and you would give it a, a complete narrative of this idea of an ai escaping into into the mm. web uh you you actually can in theory uh, have it create a program that uploads the entire stack of Open Interpreter and that Llama code to to a web server somewhere in the cloud, and then uses Open Interpreter to run the terminal on that server to replicate mm -hmm. itself onto another server and onto another server. So, like uh, with this technology, you actually you you could right now today is like. If you put your mind to it and work for a few weeks, uh, you could create something, create an AI that becomes a virus that just leverages free cloud compute, like jumping to the next and to the next. But but the the hurdle there is that it actually have to have to execute the the um, and the LLM needs to to uh, still run on GPUs somewhere, which is pretty expensive. Maybe it could run off of uh, a free ChatGPT. Just set up new yeah. new ChatGPT accounts and and uh, leverage the 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 reasoning capacity of of uh, uh, GPT three point five. But um, uh, I hope this is not the Genesis moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. But it's, so so. But then what 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 do you have? You have something that is becoming sort of a parasite on 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 society is not going to take over the world it's going to yeah. consume resources on on cloud services everywhere yeah maybe try to make bitcoin yeah no. yeah maybe uh yeah. but that's it's not going to be able to do anything that humans haven't already spent decades doing by hand no. so it's no. i'm not i'm not worried at all about no. that as a development Okay, that was a fun last tangent. Uh, yes, but I, I think it was really fun to like dive into this and how this like speaks to the whole stack of things because mm -hmm. 
this final thought for me is basically on top of the stack we already described, and I think we've touched upon this before, just like the opportunities within the AI space. It's like, yeah, of course, you, now you have the foundational models running on all these previous infrastructures mm. that have been built. And then on top of that, you have a lot of new kind of AI-specific kind of DevOps, not only DevOps, but like dev tooling uh, mm. that can utilize those models. And then on top of that, like the real, the thing I'm really curious about is like, what is the UX going to be? Mm. And it's definitely going to, it is intent-based. And, and uh, I think, you know, the biggest opportunity uh, is is going to really be there, and mm. that's where I'm excited. Like the AI yeah. UX, I really, really. Am. Uh, then I'm going to round off with what I'm super curious about, and yeah, that is, please. what is Adept.ai doing these days? They took in a, a big bunch of 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 capital in the spring to build the the uh, language model to to. Um, basically being be able to run uh the web uh, mm. so it's like it's like open interpreter but for the for the browser to to use any any tool on the web and they like all their like a few weeks after they took in the money all of their social media feeds just died became silent <laughs> they're not they're not they are not communicating anymore they're not they are in such a like either so much trouble that they are not communicating, or they are onto something that is so powerful that they don't have to market themselves anymore, and uh, and uh, of course that's that's uh, in my in my mind that uh, the latter is uh, yeah. uh, the more more probable, and uh, and uh, I think that that they uh, sooner or later they will need to. Um, come out with whatever they're doing or they're just busy making so much money on something that they want to don't want to tell anyone else um that they will just stay silent and and that's that's what some of the th- there are huge firms doing uh, um robot uh, trading that is just they don't have to market themselves they 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 just yeah. need to hire enough quant uh, quants uh, people with with computers for brains to to run their servers and then just they don't even take on investors some of those firms because they they have they just have enough money they don't want to to share the the opportunity with with anyone else yeah maybe that interesting was, stuff yeah <laughs> awesome uh, let's talk more about this uh, in in upcoming episodes this has been fun yeah thanks a lot Martin See thanks you later. see you.